Welcome to Everyday Martial Artist, a weekly podcast where you'll join me, Brian Doucet, as I interview a different martial artist each episode and hear their story. Some guests you may have heard of, and some you probably haven't. Be sure to subscribe where all your favorite podcasts are available. Also, visit our website at everydaymartialartist.com. If you're listening for a specific interview, I sure hope you'll stay and check out the other episodes. A very special thank you to Topher Williams for our custom theme music. And now, the newest episode of Everyday Martial Artist. Everyday Martial Artist is brought to you by KOonline.com for all your martial arts needs. Sparring and safety gear, rank belts, uniforms, weapons, patches, and more. Wholesale supplies made by martial artists for martial artists. Visit us today at KO-Online.com. Hello and welcome to Everyday Martial Artist. I'm your host, Brian Doucette. And as we do every week, we're joined by a brand new guest talking about their life and their journey throughout the world of martial arts and beyond. My guest today is an actor, sportsman who toured the professional racquetball circuit for three years. In the early 80s, was a deputy sheriff in Los Angeles County. And as an actor, has been in such movies as Enter the Blood Ring, Mortal Kombat Annihilation, Batman Forever, Batman and Robin, and more as well as TV series like Walker, Texas Ranger, Martial Law, two of my favorites, Sliders, Baywatch Nights, Veronica Mars, just to name a few. He was also one of the original American gladiators portraying the character of Malibu. He's a self-described comic book geek and also enjoys painting. Please welcome my guest today, Darren McBee. How are you doing today, Darren? What's going on, my brother, from another mother? What's happening, man? Hey, man, I'm doing good. I'm, I'm glad we're taking the time to do this. I'm, I'm excited to, to learn learn about your martial arts journey and, and uh, whatever else we can touch on. Well, thank you, man. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here, and uh, thank you for that amazing intro. I was listening to that going, who is that guy? Man, that guy's pretty cool. <laughs> there you go. Well, how we like to kick off the show with everyone, I want to go back to the very beginning. I want to know what led to that very first spark that kind of got your interest going in martial arts and kicked off that martial arts journey for you yeah that's a really good question um i started off my martial arts journey like i guess a lot of young people do um growing up in school i was a very skinny nerdy kid i actually was bullied and in, in throughout high school so i had a real insecurity problem and the other issue was i, I was really small growing up so um i was embarrassed in, in the guy's locker room i mean you know i didn't hit puberty until i was like seventh full right and so i'm in a men's locker room or guy's locker room at 15 16 who these guys with hair under their armpits and i got like one chest hair going you know it's like wow. totally embarrassing so anyways i i remember i got teased by the guys and on the football team and one time we actually uh i was out with a friend of mine and uh, we were driving and a couple of crazy drunk football players cornered us in a cul-de-sac in our cars and they got out of their cars and started trying to roll the car over they thought it'd be really funny they were so wow. drunk they're gonna try to sit the car yes and so i'm in the driver's seat of my friend's car and i rolled down the window to say hey guys knock it off and as i'm turning to talk this guy hit me with the ferocious right hand Jeez. and i mean i mean literally i ended up in my buddy's lap he hit me so hard knocked me out of the seat my glasses had cut my cheek and um and so it was really humiliating I, I remember running out of the car to anybody's house knocking on the door just saying hey help me help me and anyways i remember just going home and i was in tears talking to my dad and you know he, he said well, you know what son you're gonna grow someday because i was so insecure about being small and because mm -hmm. that's what he did so i was like comforted in that but then i just said that i want to start doing some kind of you know, martial arts, I'm going to get my confidence up and stuff. So I started taking Wushu Kung Fu when I was uh, literally for like 14 years old. Okay. And I loved it. I wasn't very good at it, but I loved it. Um, from there, um, it went on to Kempo Karate and then various forms of martial arts throughout the years. So it, 
was a really, really interesting journey, and it certainly built uh, discipline in my life and gave me a lot more self-confidence. So I really had a lot of fun. And then towards the end, I started getting into boxing. So I kind of rounded it all out. So that was kind of my uh, my innocent uh, beginnings of being kind of an insecure little nerd, like you said, which I'm still <laughs> am. I'm just a big, big nerd today. So. Nice. Well, with, with the wushu, did you ever get – I bet I've personally never studied wushu, but I've seen it at a lot of tournaments I've attended. Did you ever get into the competition? Because it's such a beautiful style. It is. Um, no, I, I didn't. Um, I really wanted it more for confidence. And okay. then as I started growing, I realized, man, this would be really cool to like if I ever got into the movies or acting and things like that. I got to be really, really cool if I could be flashy for the camera or look really good and things like that. So I did it more for show than anything else. You know, I could kind of show my friends, look what I learned today when I'm in school and this and that and the other thing. And so nice. all of a sudden I, you know, I, I went from a fool to being kind of cool in school, you know? So okay. that's kind of how things developed as I was growing up. Okay. And then which style of Kempo was it? Which, which kind of Kempo did you get involved in? You know, it was just a hard straight style of Kempo. I had a good friend of mine, his name was Bob uh, Mitchell. He's 75 now, and he was he was a vicious, vicious guy. And he taught me some some great stuff, and I learned a lot from him. And, and uh, he was the kind of guy that literally fought when Chuck Norris fought. I mean, they were mm-hmm. on a different weight level, but uh, he fought a guy named Bob White, who's in the Hall of Fame. These oh. are guys who are both eight-degree black belts now. Yep. I think Bob White recently passed on, but I, I got to meet Bob White. And uh, eventually, which is really cool, Chuck Norris became a friend of mine, like a, a, a good friend of mine. And we worked on several films together. And I know it's rushing the gun a little bit, but mm-hmm. uh, it was really, really cool meeting him. A super, super nice gentleman and a strong man of faith, which really impressed me, too. Okay. So I'm assuming that yeah, Southern California, that was probably like the American Kempo, like the Ed Parker system. I mean, that was yes. pretty huge in California in that time, I imagine. Yes, yes, yes. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. You got to meet Ed Parker and, oh, and wow. uh, some of those guys. But, you know what I mean? I was, they were just like, uh, you know, nice kid pat me on the head and stuff mm-hmm. like that. I was really, I was really, they knew I wasn't going to ever turn out to be anything special. Um, I just didn't have that killer instinct like you need to have if you're going to compete. Did you ever get to go on at least watch the, the, the internationals in Long Beach? Well, no, I didn't, but I'll tell you something really interesting. I Towards the end um, of my life, when I was in my 30s, I got in, uh, started this kind of ministry called Martial Arts, United Martial Arts for Christ with Bob Mitchell. And we had some of the best martial artists from around the country, young younger kids coming in. And these kids were like famously nationally, I mean, superstars. They were doing amazing stuff with nunchucks and swords and flips and all these things. It was just absolutely spectacular. So I got to actually watch these kids in action. I didn't watch them win their titles, but they came uh, a part of, as part of this ministry. And actually, um, the first two kickoff years we started this, Chuck Norris came down uh on my behalf and uh, kind of just led credence to this whole thing. So it was really, really a great, great opportunity and a great time to meet some fun people and uh, a wonderful experience for me. I mean, it was just amazing to watch kids that were like eight, 10 years old who were doing these amazing, amazing things. So one of the first you know national tournaments I went to just to watch, I was never a competitor either, but I remember the finals on the Saturday night it was a diamond nationals in Minnesota. And there was a nine year old girl that was up there in the championship night on the Saturday night. And I'm just like, when she's out there flipping with her bow staff and doing the splits, and I'm like, wow. Yeah, it's unreal. You, you, you don't even, you can't believe it until you see it with your own eyes. You, yep. you know, someone will tell you, like, this kid's going to do this and that, and you're going, okay, sure, you know, I, nine-year-old kid. And all of a sudden, they're like you said, they're doing these incredible flips. And these kids in their 15, 16, they're just, they're superstars. It's amazing. See, and I never got to meet Mr. Parker. I, I lived in California for a year. I was there in 96, 97. I moved out there just to learn American Kempo uh, and actually mm. trained with uh, Jeff Speakman and Larry Tatum for a bit when I was out oh, there. Yeah. Sure. 
I miss California, especially in the winter when I'm in Minnesota. <laughs> I really miss California yeah. in the winter. But, oh, uh, gosh. I can imagine. <laughs> that's really, really cool. So now I thought I read somewhere that you you did some training with Billy Blanks. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, here's a, there's a true gentleman right there. I mean, um, Billy Blanks and I shared the same faith. We're both Christians. And, you know, he Billy knew me from American Gladiators fame. And I remember I was looking for a personal training job because that's what I'd been doing for years prior to. And American Gladiators just finished. And I, I went to his, his dojo where he was doing uh, Taibo, which is, uh, I don't know if you heard of Taibo, which oh, yeah. is wildly popular yep. thing that he invented. It was like karate meets yoga meets, you know, uh, aerobics kind of a thing. Really mm-hmm. cool. Uh, anyways, I uh, I said, who's personal training at your gym here? I mean, who do you got? He goes, well, you don't have really anybody. And I said, listen, Billy, I'd love it if you'd let me come train at your gym. And he gave me carte blanche. He just said, come on in, Darren. I'd love to have you. And didn't charge me a thing. I got to make all the money for my own clients. Didn't have to pay him rent. I mean, just a super gracious guy. I mean, I can't say enough things about him. A true gentleman and an amazing martial artist. Did you, So did you actually do some training with him, too, then also? No, I never did. Um Oh, I never had never had the chance. I know. I mean, he was like an idol of mine. Also, became a friend. But I just felt like you know that would have been imposing on him a little bit too much. You know, right. so I didn't even dare ask him. Oh, of course, I would have loved to have him teach me, but uh, that just never came to came into fruition. Okay. And so you, you mentioned in your bio that you were you were L.A. County Sheriff. So now, did you? How, how did your martial arts training you think help with that? To be completely honest with you, it really didn't help that much. Really? Um, okay. Yeah, I mean, it, you, you'd think it would, but there was so much going into that. At the, what led up to the sheriff's department was just really kind of a fluke. As you mentioned earlier, I was playing professional racquetball, and the mm-hmm. rac- pro racquetball tour was kind of uh, going downhill at the time a little bit. And I really was, I realized I wasn't going to make a lot of money doing it. So I thought, what can I do that I really like to do that would be fun and wouldn't take a lot of college? So I signed up for the LA County Sheriff's, and sure enough, I, I got hired on. And uh, that was an amazing experience in itself. I mean, they taught me some amazing tools that I could use for the rest of my life. I mean, it was one of the best blessings I've ever had as far as teaching me how to be, again, disciplined and to be a man because my father was out of my life most of my life. Mm -hmm. And so it really, really grew me up in a lot of ways. And uh, it was, like I said, just an amazing learning experience for me. I think the martial arts part, uh, when I, in retrospect, now that we're talking about it, gave me that discipline. You know, it started me off on a road to being disciplined where I was very uh, undisciplined before. So that, I think, helped me get through uh, a lot of the academy because going to the academy is grueling. It's a lot of work and a lot of late nights and early mornings. A little earlier, you mentioned that, you know, with the wushu, you, you had the thought of maybe, hey, if you were ever in movies or something, you could use that. So was that a dream of yours? from young you know like did you grow up in theater and stuff in, in school and was that something you had always kind of wanted to do i'll tell you a funny story um mm-hmm. about that is when i was i'm thinking i might have been four years old at the time and um there used to be this tv show uh, this batman tv show with adam west in the 60s yes and uh i was this huge fan batman fan i loved batman i mean um, and Adam West was my hero. And I was too young to realize that that whole throat show was a joke. That it was <laughs> campy comedy. To me, it was like, Batman's awesome. Yep. So anyways, Batman was appearing at a circus. And uh, my, my dad took me to this circus. And I go, Dad, I, I got to meet Batman. And so my dad, being this mountain of a man, he's six foot four like I am. And he, he um, takes me and I couldn't get close enough to Batman. So my dad picked me up over his head like Superman and kind of pushed me forward and I touched Batman. And my dad said, I got so excited when I touched Adam West that I broke out in hives all over my body. Wow. Um, so I never forgot that. And, and also I just thought to myself at that 
point in time, I go, man, I really want to do something like this. I really want to be like a superhero. And I remember when I was in school, distinctly, I remember when I was about eight, eight or 10 years old, the teacher was going around the room asking kids what they wanted to be when they grew up. Mm-hmm. And uh, it went to Sally and Sally wanted to be a dancer and Johnny wanted to be a fireman and so-and-so be a veterinarian and I want to be a doctor, et cetera, et cetera. And she asked me, Darren, what do you want to be? And I go, I want to be Batman. Nice. <laughs> I go, I want to be Batman. She goes, well, you can't be Batman. I said, I can be whatever I want to be. You just asked me. I said, I want to be Batman. So um, what's so awesome. cool about that is I actually ended up being in two major Batman films right when my career is at its height. So I, I always use that to talk to young people when I speak in schools and and in churches to encourage them saying, listen, you know, let let live out your dreams, you know, what what you believe you want to achieve, go for it. You know, if it's within reason, but this is how you need to get there. You need to have balance in your life. You need to have discipline in your life. You need to be able to be have a spiritual life that's solid. You need to have a, you know, respect your parents and stay away from drugs and study. And I said, when, when you do these things, these are going to set you up for the major successes in your life. And um, so that's always been something that I've used to really encourage people to follow their dreams and, and, and shoot for the stars whenever possible. That is so cool. So then how did the Hollywood thing come about then? Was that something like while you were with the sheriff, were you still pursuing it and trying to make it happen and, and kind of doing that on the side or how did that happen for you? I was transitioning out of the sheriff's department. I got injured pretty badly on the sheriff's department in a fight that I got in. And so I just decided it wasn't for me anymore. And um, when I was going, you know, when I was getting out, I just started training like a fiend. And I I thought to myself, okay, I don't want to have this spit shine, clean look that sheriffs have. I grew my hair really long and um, started working out like crazy. I was working out when I was in the sheriff's department, but this time I started really training super hard and started getting in really, really good shape. And by the time I got to be about 27, 28, I was, yeah, I was 20 years old. I was sitting next to a guy reading this, this paper it was a trade paper called Variety for actors and, and directors, et cetera. And he said, hey, Darren, there's this new show that they're trying to get people for, for called American Gladiators. And he said, they're looking for a surfer type. And I go, wow. And so this time I'm, you know, I'm six, three and a half. I've got long blonde hair. I'm just, you know, buffed out from training and, you know, super tan. And so I go, man, that sounds like a lot of fun. I go, what do you have to do? And he goes, well, you have to run an obstacle course. And then they do an interview. And I go, great. So I went out and tried out the, the next, I think it was the next day or two days after. And they had an obstacle course. He did sit-ups, pull-ups, this and that. And um, I just smoked everybody. I mean, I was in such great shape at the time because I was running up to six miles a day. I was playing, you know, three, four hours of racquetball a day and weight training. So I was just in really, really good shape at the time. So I went out and I just, you know, just killed it. I had a great time, had a lot of fun. And then um, they had this interview afterwards and I went in and just nailed the interview. It was just really, really fun. So um, at the time they were going to call me Domino as a gladiator. And I said, what's Domino? I I said, no, I said, my name's Malibu, man. I'm from the beach. I'm no pizza delivery guy. Right. (laughs) And they started cracking up man. they go, yes, you're the guy. So that's how American gladiators happen. And then by, by a great opportunity, I was working out at the gym about two, three weeks before. And this guy, gosh, I forgot his name, but anyways, he, was Conan at Universal Studios. And I go, oh, I'd love to do that. That's always been my dream to be Conan. And so he said, well, I'm quitting and they're going to need to hire some other guys. And um, he came to the number to Universal Studios. I called. I went and had two auditions for him. I did great. The next thing I know, I was at Universal Studios doing Conan. So there was a time in my life that was this 
golden, beautiful time, man. It was it was just amazing because I was on the lower lot of Universal Studios doing the American Gladiators TV show. And then when I would finish or before I would go up and I would do the show, the Conan show, at Universal Studios. So I was Conan and Malibu at the same time um, wow. for several years. And then the Conan show lasted for six years. So it was just an amazing, awesome time in my life. That's crazy. And I remember I, I was 15 years old. I think it was shortly after American Gladiators came out and I'm home and I got, you know, got hooked on the show, married to children. And I remember one episode, also they knock on the door and opened up and there's like, dude, that's Malibu. Me and my friend are watching like, that's, that's Malibu. We're like freaking out because <laughs> we, we both loved American Gladiators. We were so excited to see you on married to children. <laughs> so I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> Gosh, thank you, man. That was uh, actually the first acting job I ever did in my life. Really? And um, yeah, that was the very first one. I was so nervous. I mean, I couldn't even tell you how nervous I was. And um, the the cool thing was that they were so great to me because they knew I was totally green. I never did an acting job. And they said, "Hey, relax. We're gonna have fun. It's cool, you know." And and so the cast was great to me. I I had a ball. It turned out to be a blast. And so that was the beginning of my acting career. That's awesome. So do you remember the first? role you got to showcase some of your martial arts skills in? That's a great question. You know what? I, I'd have to think about that for a minute. It might have been when I did um, Immortal Combat with Roddy Piper, um, oh, nice. the wrestler, and uh, I had a ball. And, oh, man, it was great. He's such a great guy. And Roddy and I just had a great time together, and, and what a gentleman he was, too. And so, yeah, I think that might have been part of one where I've been able to do that. But okay. it's kind of been like a mishmash. Every throughout my career, I've been able to, you know, pop in and do martial arts here and that. But it's always been something that uh, – I've been able to showcase and I'm so thankful I did it. I mean, in, in Batman forever, I, I did a scene where we were with Harvey two face Dent, and we were robbing a bank and all these guys are fighting Batman in an ele- elevator. And um, I'm the last guy I come jumping in and I've got these two spikes coming off my wrists and um, I just start, you know, slamming them together and doing all this martial arts stuff. And I go to skewer Batman in the elevator. And of course, he beats me up. But um, <laughs> it was really cool, man, because I got to feature me doing this this cool little flurry with my with these knives um, attached to my wrist and it looked awesome. So, you know, that was something that martial arts helped me out with for sure. So now this is you know, not really martial arts related, but obviously American Gladiators is such a huge show when it was on. And, and then, of course, you know, the, the, the reboot in 2008. And just what are your thoughts just on this resurgence of the popularity? And, and first of all, me as, as a diehard fan from day one, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping the resurgence of popularity leads to a, a comeback because I would love to see a new version, hopefully better than the 2008 version. But I'd love to see a new oh, version yeah. of the show make a comeback. What are your thoughts on that just how popular it is you know, it's always so, been popular it's never gone away but it's even more yeah. popular now i think yeah it's it's incredible how, how popular it's become especially because you know i don't know if you know but there was two documentaries that came out uh one on netflix called muscles and mayhem i was in that one briefly yep. but i was more featured in the one from espn which was a 30 for 30 documentary and i really really enjoyed working with the espn people um not that i didn't like the netflix people but mm-hmm. they just used old footage of me because i signed with espn so i had a conflict of interest i couldn't do both documentaries right but they put me in anyways which is really cool so yeah it, it took a it's huge resurgence since then but um here's a little inside information for you um the creator of the show a guy named johnny ferraro which yep. is a buddy of mine who's the coolest guy people have just you know i said some terrible things about him and it's just not true i know him personally and he's the one 
who's given all of us the opportunity to be on this great, amazing show that's taken America and the world by storm. I mean, to me, I'm just so thankful for everything he's done. He's been very fair with me, and uh, he's got some things in the work right now. Nice. Um, they're, they're going across the world, and they're signing on gladiators from like New Zealand and, and England, and all of a sudden they're having you know, um, you know international American gladiators, and they're now putting something together for the USA. I can't really talk about it too okay. much. You know, I just talked to Johnny a couple of days ago and I, I said, Johnny, listen, don't forget me, man. I mean, I honestly, <laughs> I can't do the games anymore, but I would love to pop in as a referee or announcer or something. Because don't worry, man, I'll, I'll, I'll plug you in there somewhere. So, so look out for it. It's coming. And I agree with you. That's awesome. uh, 2008 reboot was just a, a turd. Yeah. It's it, terrible. It's because it had so much potential. It could have been something great. And it's just, yeah. it, it did. And you know what? I'll tell you why it failed epically. It failed epically. And I, as soon as I heard, first of all, that they hired Hulk Hogan as announcer, yep. I said, they're going in the wrong direction. Yeah. I love Hulk Hogan. I doubled him in a commercial. Mm-hmm. He's a super nice guy. He's a real cool guy, but I said, wrong guy, wrong guy for an announcer. You, you don't make him the focal point of the show. The focal point is the gladiators. Yeah. Well, they hired these neat looking gladiators, but then they made the show about all the games and made the show about all the contenders. And the gladiators is what made the whole show. Right. And so they took away, first of all, some of us could have come back and been in 2008 and then participated. They should have got some of the old gladiators in there anyways for doing, you know, that could participate, but they didn't. And it tanked because everybody said, well, where's the luster? Where's the, you know, the, the, the diamond shine that these guys had. And it just, it lost it. It completely really, really tanked. So they learned a lesson. I hope yeah. from that whole mess. Fingers that, crossed. That, 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 So then as an original American Gladiator, I'm curious, are are you a fan of American Ninja Warrior? I kind of think without American Gladiators, American Ninja Warrior might not have ever happened. I don't think it would have. I really don't. Because really, if you think about American Gladiators, it was like Johnny Ferraro was called the godfather of reality TV for a good reason. Mm -hmm. Because American Gladiators really kicked off the whole reality TV phenomenon. I mean, it really did. So that's when all these things started happening. So I would agree with you. Um, I don't think, you know, Ninja War would have been as big. It might have, but it may never have come to fruition. I love that show. It's yeah, amazing, amazing, amazing. I'm exciting, exciting to watch because they left the purity. It's like the gladiators. You leave it to the purity of the show. They didn't try to change it. They didn't, you know, try to get contenders that were all these weird looking, you know, people. They're just normal people. Mm-hmm. And that's why the gladiators were so popular. You got normal people against these superstar gladiators that, you know, were fun to look at and you wanted to see the gladiators get beat because you want to see, you know, the, the what you'd consider the normal, you know, uh, you know, American person who's sitting on the couch saying, oh, man, I could do that someday. And then they come out and they get to do it. You know what I mean? They get to compete against the gladiators. And these yep. are, you know, the thing that most people don't realize, though, is that most of these people that were hired were great athletes. Some were ex-pro football players or, or baseball. Or we had, I, I fought against a guy that was an ex-pro hockey player. So these guys, even though they weren't as big as us, were better athletes, I think, pound for pound than most of the gladiators were. Yeah. And a lot of a lot of people that watch the show never never saw that. And I tell you, just like I said, I watched it every every episode from season one. My favorite competitor, and I, I still remember his name, was Billy Worth. I, just, oh I loved it when he when he ran the eliminator. I think it was like twelve seconds when he when he broke the record. I was just cheering for him and yelling. He, for some reason, he was my favorite. I don't know why, but he, I just I loved him. <laughs> well, let me tell you something about Billy. First of all, Billy was tough as nails. That's first of all. He was a New York kid, and he was a no-nonsense, no-mess-around. I mean, he wanted to win, but he 
really he, he kind of overstepped his bounds a couple of times. He did something to me that was kind of dirty and he paid a, a pretty bad price for it. Um, <laughs> I, when I got hit on a human cannonball, that, that epic hit that I took, yep. when I landed, I got a, a major, major severe concussion and had to have plastic surgery uh, on my forehead. When I went to do the to the show where it's break through and conquer in the wrestling ring, I, I looked at Billy. I go, Billy, don't hit me in the face. Don't smack me in the forehead. I got plastic surgery. Do whatever you want to do. And, of course, the, the whistle blows, and he hits me right in the forehead with a palm. Oh, man. And he stuns me and then throws me out of the ring. So, you know, the gladiator saw this, and I said, guys, we got to give him some payback. And so in Powerball, mm, what happened that. was we <laughs> – we got him, and he also got Gemini really mad, too. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. He really got Mike Horton. You know, he got his dander up pretty good. So, anyways, Mike Horton was fired up. I was fired up. So, he, he goes, all right, you grab a Malibu, and I'll drive him off camera, and then we're going to beat the snot out of him. <laughs> so, um, we drove him off camera. I had Billy by by the his hair, and I literally I had his hair back-to-back -back with him, and I flipped him over my shoulder by his hair, and threw him on the ground, and we just just messed him and just beat him pretty good <laughs> for so about a good 10 seconds. And uh, he came back and he's all disheveled. And um, it was like he, he learned a lesson pretty good. But yeah, gr great competitor. I wish I would have talked to him more because I loved him on the Lost Boys. He was yes, fantastic. Yes, agreed. But I, I, you know, I guess, like I said, after he smacked me in the head, that didn't sit well with me. Yeah. So I'm curious now, at the time you were doing American Gladiators, did you realize how many of the other, other gladiators had martial arts backgrounds? I mean, I, I was a martial artist back then and I didn't. I'm just finding this out now doing this research. And there's so far I found like four or five of them that had martial arts backgrounds. Well, that's interesting. See, this is this is news to me. Okay. I didn't know any of that. So that's really fascinating. Doesn't surprise me. We never talked about that kind of stuff. Okay. Um, but doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah, I didn't even know that. I know Mike Horton did because he used to practice in the gym. I would see him throwing kicks and things like that. So I know Mike Horton, oh. uh, who's Gemini, uh, was involved in martial arts. Okay. Him I didn't know about. The ones I found so far were Nitro, Dallas, and Red all have martial arts and background. Red's been doing it since he was like 10 years old. <laughs> oh, yeah. Red, yeah. Red is, he's a monster. I love that guy. I mean, he and I became super, super tight when uh, we did Mortal Kombat Annihilation together in Thailand. We just got really close. I, I, I love him as a brother. He, and he's amazingly freak of nature strong. Got this amazing physique. Never touched a steroid in his life. Just incredible. And, uh, and a neat guy. Very smart. Very spiritual. And uh, we had a lot of fun together in Thailand. We still do. I stay in touch with him. That's nice. So yeah. I know you mentioned friends with Chuck Norris. So what was it like doing Walker, Texas Ranger? Oh, my gosh. So <laughs> I'll tell you the background story. Does this tell you how cool Chuck is? I was doing this ministry. It's called the Power Team. And basically, it's a group of... Larger-than-life guys, most of us were ex-pro football players or athletes. I wasn't a pro football player, but um, I was an athlete, martial artist, and that. And all these guys are big, powerful guys. And what we would do, it was a Christian ministry, but what would happen was you get these big guys and we'd do these crazy, crazy feats of strength. Mm -hmm. Like we'd rip phone books in half. We would blow up literal hot water bottles, like the kind you see, like, like look like giant whoopee cushions. We'd blow those things up until they explode with our own mouths. And um, we do things like, you know, we 
I lay in a bed of nails and they put a 400 pound block of ice on my chest and break it with a sledgehammer. Wow. I mean, crazy stuff. We break, I broke bricks with my elbows and, you know, 700 pound ice bricks. Um, if, if you remind me, I'll, I'll send you a picture. It's pretty cool. Breaking ice with, with a double forearm. Definitely. Um, so, you know, that my martial arts came into play there for sure. So anyways, the, the thing was, he happened to show up. He was good friends with John Jacobs, who was the creator of the power team. And um, Chuck showed up that night and it happened to be my very first crusade I ever did. And um, he comes backstage and I just said, oh, man, such a pleasure to meet you, Mr. Norris. And he was a, he was a Christian guy also. And I just said, man, it's awesome. And I love your show. It's such a clean show. Everybody loves it. And uh, I said, listen, I, I know this is pretty cheesy, but I'm an actor. And I would love it if you just give my, you know, my resume and picture to, you know, whoever in the staff to take a look at it. Well, three weeks later, I was guest starring on a show. That's wow. how cool. Yeah, it was. Just, I mean, what can you say? What a great guy. I mean, I didn't have to audition or anything. Well, and I think maybe I did have to audition now that I look back, but it was a, it was a shoe in. Yeah. You know, he basically said, if the guy can put two words together that sound legible, you know, I mean, intelligible, let's bring them on. So, yeah. So it was it was probably one of the most fun times I've ever had. And if you get to, I don't know if you remember watching that episode. It's called The Black Dragons. Mm-hmm. I was huge in that. Yeah, I mean, I was like in probably in the best shape of my life. My wife and I had just had our daughter, Kylie. Kylie was maybe six, eight months old. I brought her with us to Dallas and we just had a ball. We had so much fun. But yeah, that was one of the highlights of my life. That is so cool. That's awesome. Yeah, I love I've, I've seen every episode, so I know I've seen it. I've actually started rewatching it recently, so I'm sure I'll see that episode again, which will be yeah. good. Pull up the black dragons. It's out there. I'm sure. You know, nice. but, yeah. talk a little bit about your art. I know it's not really martial arts related, but I know that's uh, looking through the website and seeing some of your paintings and stuff. And that's impressive, sure. like really cool. Oh, thank you. I really appreciate that. I'm a real creative guy. I've been like that since I was a little kid. And I started art really when I was eight, eight or nine. I just was started. I would look at pictures like uh, there was a movie called The Jungle Book that came out. And I, I looked at pictures of the characters and I would just start drawing them. And my mom, my mom would go, man, Darren, you're spot on. You're drawing it just like that. And so I became interested and took it you know, to a little bit. And then I gave it up and I went to high school and I took a couple art classes in high school and really enjoyed it, enjoyed oil painting. And so. Uh, again, it kind of died down when my movie career, TV stuff started hitting and I became like super busy doing that and busy with my ministry and being married and all that kind of put it off the side. But then it, it, there was a resurgence again in about 2000 and I think it was around 2002 or three when I just started going crazy. I was doing art every day for the next 12 years. And um, over the course of time, my art got better and better. It wasn't really super great in the beginning. And my mom, who's an artist, gave me a lot of helpful hints. And so my art just kind of you know, evolved and got better. And I'm like a guy that likes to use, as you see my pictures, super colorful art. I don't make moody, a lot of moody stuff, but I do super colorful stuff, which I like a lot. So um, it's something I, I really enjoy. It was great when I was injured because it gave me something to do instead of being depressed. And uh, also it was really, it was really good pastime when I was depressed. Um, had a couple of tragedies in my life that were tough and it helped me through that as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah, art has been um, a real blessing for me. And I will definitely put a link out there so people can check this out because yeah it's just just scrolling through them just absolutely beautiful i love it thank you thank yeah. you and i'm gonna start selling lithographs too so be looking out for that so oh, cool. if anybody's interested yeah oh so when, when you, you when you do send me the link and I'll, I'll i'll add it to the to the podcast so that'll be cool we'll do for sure we'll do. what are your kind of your thoughts over the years i mean you've been around 
for a while you did traditional martial arts, you did the American Gladiators and everything like that. So what are your thoughts on something like MMA in the UFC? And is that something you're a fan of? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think it's amazing. I, I watched it when it was at, at its infancy, when you just get these, you know, guys going at it from truly different forms of martial arts. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, it was really fun. You know, it was a blast to watch. You know, you'd watch a guy that was 350 pounds fight a guy that was 150 pounds. You know, one guy's a sumo wrestler and the other guy's a, you know, Kempo guy or whatever. And it was really fun, really, really fun to watch. And then the evolution to watch these guys turn into these machines. I mean, these guys are amazing now. So I, I really am, am quite a big fan of it. I'm more of a purist because I love watching boxing even a little bit more. But I think mm-hmm. UFC is more exciting in, in the sense that it's just it, it's just like gladiator days. I mean, it's like true American gladiators. Yeah, um, These guys are in a ring and it's man to man and it's too you know, these guys are literally knocking each other out right and left. And it's spectacular to watch these guys. They're just, they're just amazing athletes. So young Darren, you know, 30, 30, probably would have been 32, 33 when uh, UFC one came out. Did it ever cross your mind? Like I could do this. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll give it a shot. You want the truth? Yeah. Not in a million years. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, That's good. Honest. (laughs) I don't mind telling you that when it comes to getting in there and doing that, I'm a coward. I don't want someone knocking my teeth out. I don't want someone to break my nose. I like my nose. To me, the whole martial arts thing was always a means to an end for me Mm -hmm. as far as my acting. I wanted to be able to be super flashy for camera and do these neat things. And a guy that's, you know, six foot, almost six foot four and 230 pounds you don't see guys moving like I move and, and throwing kicks like I and that. So to me, that's what it was always about. It's about the flash and, and looking good for camera. But in all honesty, I, I'm just not the kind of guy that's built for that real combat. I, um, I have no desire whatsoever to do it. And I think I got a lot of that out of my system when I was a cop because I saw a lot of real life drama, people dying and stuff like that. And after that happens, you something changes. I mean, it changes a man. And so, you know, any kind of violence like that, just didn't do it for me. I wasn't interested, but I have the greatest respect and praise for those guys and girls that do it now. Nice. See, and I used to judge, I, I judged pro MMA for quite a few years. I judged probably about a thousand fights over the years and, and wow. same, same, same thing. I'd never want, I mean, like my friend even was a ref. He's like, Oh, you should get into refing. Like, I don't want to be in the middle of those two guys. I'm fine sitting by the table with my pen yeah, and paper. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I'm good. Wow. It's really interesting. I mean, super interesting. Wow. I enjoyed it, and, and I, I got into it because I was a diehard fan, and my friend was a, my friend was a promoter and stuff, and I just I, I saw some really bad injuries, and I, I kind of oh. lost. Like if if it's on, I'll watch it, but I don't go out of my way now to watch like every one of them. But I mean, I, I saw a guy almost die in the cage, and it it scared the hell out of me. I like he was literally yeah. three feet away from me, and if that would have happened, I mean that horrible. So yeah, it's a, it's a you know when you see somebody get hit like that and hurt like that, you know it, it makes you take. Pause. I mean, these are these are special kinds of animals that get in there and fight like that. I mean, these people are like so tough mentally. I mean, not only physically, but these are mentally super tough people. And you got to be wired that way to be that kind of a champion and do that what they do. So yeah. only a select few. But you know, there's only a select few guys that'll you know go through burning huts that are on fire like I do, or jump to you know storefront windows when they you know doing crazy stuff. So that's true. <laughs> 
I've got my own adrenaline junkie issues. So. Yep, that is true. I, I've interviewed I've interviewed a few people who have done stunts, and yeah, another thing. No, my middle son's actually going to school for acting, and mm-hmm. they're they in Utah, and they actually want to. They're the guy who directs their program there at the college. They want to bring in like a professional stuntman to talk to the students and give them some tips and stuff and answer questions. So he's my son's really excited about that. <laughs> Oh, yeah, man. I wish I was in her near that. I'd go do that for him, you know, because um, I've done a lot of talks like that. And I think it stunts to learn stunt and stunt fighting is super important, especially these days, because, look, everything's superhero now. You know, they yeah. got superhero this, superhero that. And uh, if you notice, almost every actor out there is in shape. Yeah. You know, when I was acting, I was one of the few guys that were in really good shape, you know, and, and so it's kind of an anomaly. But now it's like a prerequisite. If you're an actor, you got to work out. Um, that's just it, because they expect you now to look a certain way. You know, the girls are always going to be the girls, but they want the girls in shape, too. They want the girls looking good. So, yeah, it's a whole different uh, era now for acting, for sure. Going back to your very beginning in martial arts to now, is there one philosophy you've learned in, throughout all your martial arts training, throughout your life? You know, just one philosophy that rises to the top. It's super important to you. You keep coming back to it. Just an important part of your life. I, I would say yes. Um, I would say more from a spiritual level. I think um, I think one of the most important things in all of our lives is, and I just did a big podcast for a, a guy who trains people on how to be successful in sales and trains people how to be successful, you know, CEOs and money makers. But the problem is. They don't a lot of times. And I told them it's not a podcast. I said, people don't get trained to have balance in their lives. You've got these guys who are making them CEOs that are making million dollars, millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. But why are they all getting divorced? Why do they have alcohol problems? Why are they all dying when they're 50 years old? These CEOs die at an average age of 50 years old. And I said, do you realize I said you can teach him all that stuff? But what good is it if this guy has destroyed his family, destroyed his life, is unhappy? And then a lot of times when they get to the top, they sit there and go, well, what else is left? You know, there's no, I've done everything. Why am I so empty now? And so to me, you got to have balance when it's got to be proper nutrition. Um, it's very important that you eat correctly. Two, you got to sleep. These guys hardly ever sleep. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they work 17 hours a day, 16 hours a day, workaholics. You need to take care of your family, spend time with your family, you know, continue to date your wife, love your kids, tell your kids every day you love them, spend time with them. Because I tell them that, you know, the kids spell love, T-I-M-E, spend time with your children. That's super important. And then uh, lastly, spirituality. Now, you don't have to be a Christian. You can believe what you want to believe. And I never press my faith on anybody. But if you look to something higher than yourself, you got a purpose to live for something greater than you. And when I live for something greater than me, it humbles me. Okay, so I have that's the way I look at it. These guys get so egomaniac out. They think it's all about them. Life is all about them. I go, no, life isn't all about you. You're not the smartest. You're not the richest. You never will be. But think about what fulfills your life. What's so fulfilling? And again, I've met actors, you know, like Tommy Lee Jones and and Jim Carrey and George Clooney, Arnold Schwarzenegger. I met them all. A lot, a lot, not them all, but a lot of these guys were super famous guys. And mm-hmm. You see them very, very unhappy. Like Jim Carrey was a miserable person. Tommy Lee Jones was a miserable person. And it's because they get to a place, and and if you look back through history, Elvis Presley, Marilyn Monroe, I mean, I can go on and on. Mm -hmm. These people, uh, Heath Ledger, all these people get everything they thought would make them happy. They thought if I become successful and I'm famous and people love me, and look at Robin Williams, the same thing. But they get everything. They hit the top. And what happens when you get everything and then all of a sudden, what's the meaning of this? They all hit that place almost without exception. 
And when they get to that place, they don't know where to turn because they figure it's all there. Well, that place is spirituality. That place is turning to have something fill your life that is greater than you. And for me, that's Jesus Christ. And for me, that's believing in the Bible. And I've studied been a student of the Bible for 25 years. And I tell you, I read it every day. I'm not lying to you. Um, I study it archaeologically, historically, prophetically, every way you can. And I absolutely believe that to be true, to be the word of God. But, you know, if Buddhism is what you, you is something you live for that's greater than you, and it's Muslim or whatever your faith may be, have faith. Have faith in something greater than yourself, and that will change your life for sure. Great answer. I like it. All right. I know I know you're kind of a you have a another commitment you got to get to. So I got a few fun questions to wrap it up for you. Now this one it doesn't have to be four. It can be I've had as few as two and as many as eight. It's it's, it's your picks. Who would you put on your personal Mount Rushmore of martial arts? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Jet Lee. Nice. Bruce Lee, of course. Chuck Norris. Nice. Oh my gosh, and I four John Claude Van Damme. Who else would I, I – I know there's one I'm missing that I absolutely think is fantastic and it's, it's slipping my mind. Billy Blanks? Um, no, nah, I love no. Billy. I love Billy, but he wouldn't be He wouldn't be one of my favorites. Okay. It, wouldn't, it wouldn't be Steven Seagal either. Yeah. Oh, God, man. That's a tough one. There's one more. I know as soon as we hang up, I'm going to go, oh, that guy. So, <laughs> Probably. Yeah. That's okay. That's, hey, that's some good answers. All right, so let me ask you. I'm going to put it in your lap. Who are your favorite? Tell me who your choice would be. See, and I've had guests ask me that, and it, it changes. It really does. Right. I mean, I mean, you know, the, the common ones are always Bruce Lee and Chuck Norris. Those are answered so often. And Bruce Lee was huge. It was a huge impact. But like me, I go with like my personal instructor, the instructor I've been with since 1994, my instructor, uh, Jim Grimstead. Such an impact on my life. Uh, I would probably put I would put Ed Parker up there. Yes. But, yeah. Yeah. Who I think is, is just an amazing martial artist. Definitely Bruce Lee. I, I'd probably probably throw Chuck Norris up there. And one that I, I throw people on, but the whole the, and there's a reason behind it. It's a fictional character, but I'd put Mr. Miyagi up there because oh, yeah. that that's the reason I got into martial arts. Literally, I, I went to the movie The Karate Kid opening weekend, June of 1984, and when I walked out, there was a local Tung Sudo instructor handing out free passes, and that started my martial arts journey. I and mean, if it wasn't oh, cool. if it wasn't for the movie and Mr. Miyagi, I I would not probably be a martial artist today. So. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Yeah. I mean, gosh, and, and those were great. Some of the most inspiring movies like that and Rocky. And there were such great inspirational movies. Uh, and I totally agree. So I I just thought of who I would put on there. It would be probably Bob Mitchell and Bob White. Uh, Bob nice. Mitchell, because I did um, 16 years of martial arts for Christ with this guy. But this guy's mm-hmm. an animal. I mean, when he fought, people were literally scared of this guy. Nice. I mean, he's still, he's one of those guys that you look at him and he's so intimidating at 75 years old. He looks like, you know, he could, he could pick up a tank still. He's just a tough guy, but he's got a tender heart. And uh, that's one thing I really love about Bob. So I probably put Bob up there. That's a good one. Nice. Okay. All right. Do you have a favorite martial arts book? Wow. You know, I, you know, I, I can't say that I have, I don't think I've ever read a martial arts book. So, okay. Wow. You got me on that one. Any, any like biographies or anything even a lot of people throw a biography up there you know like me you know, I've, I've read some great martial arts biographies and stuff and you know I, I, the closest thing i would come to a biography is probably chuck norris because i became friends with him i mm-hmm. actually i i have one of the distinct honor i just say honor because and you're gonna crack up at this <laughs> but i was actually chuck norris's bodyguard um, nice. And he, he invited me out to this event when he was starting a, a martial arts league in, in Denver. Um, it didn't go so well, but 
I just remember that the UFC was fighting really, really close by. And um, he asked me, would you be my bodyguard? And I'm just laughing going, yeah, sure. But of course I went, I was his bodyguard. So uh, I just remember some of the UFC guys coming over and they just, you know, they wanted to see the legend. They wanted to talk to the legend. And I, you know, had to like shoo him away graciously. And what was the name of that one guy who was UFC ref forever? Big big John McCarthy. Big John McCarthy. He came by and I go, Oh my gosh, I know you from UFC. And I shook his hand and, and he goes, do you mind if I talk to Mr. Norris? I'll give me a second. I, I talked to Chuck and said, yeah, Chuck says it's cool. Go, go over and say hi to him. So, That's yeah, awesome. it was really it was really cool that I'm sitting there. And people are, like, asking me if they can talk to Mr. Norris. And I'm like, yeah, but you guys are all, like, bad dudes for real. You know, and I'm like Mr. Wannabe Kung Fu guy. Nice, <laughs> so, nice. It was fun. It was so fun. Was, was that the World Combat League that he tried launching? I think that's exactly what, what it was. That was, I, was yeah. I loved it. I wish it would have made it. It was so cool. <laughs> You know what it was, though? I, I was there. I watched it first night. The problem was, and the same thing Chuck said, these guys weren't fighting. They were, like, fighting for points. Mm-hmm. And they were supposed to, like, fight, fight. And so he was so disappointed because it was lackluster. These, you know, these guys put on such a terrible performance. And I'm thinking, you know what? This this is going to tank if people continue to do this. Yeah. And the idea, like you said, the idea was fantastic. It had Chuck Norris behind it. But for some reason, they they just couldn't pull together the talent that um, was, was just enough to bring the people in, unfortunately. All right, next question. Do you have a favorite martial arts video game? Were you ever a gamer? I played a little bit, and uh, I, would, I would obviously have to be Mortal Kombat because nice. obviously. I, mean, I was in the, I was in the movie. <laughs> so, yeah, that's fun. I mean, it's it's extremely, extremely graphic. Like, literally, before I did the interview with you just now, I was watching a cartoon version of it, and it was so gory. It wasn't made for kids, obviously, but, I mean, it was so gory the way they killed these people. I'm going, holy smokes, man. Yep. I mean, it's like, okay, it's gotten to be insane. So I wouldn't play it. I wouldn't let my kids play it. We're both grown up now, but it was fun back in the day because you actually got to see blood spurt when you, you know, when you got somebody and killed them. But now it's just, it's just too much. Okay. All right. These last few questions, you can't name one that you've been in a favorite martial arts TV show. Oh my gosh. Okay. (laughs) Okay. The Green Hornet. Nice. Good answer. Let's see. What else? What else? Oh, Kung Fu. David Carradine. Okay. Definitely one of my favorites. Trying to think of what's, well, I can't say martial law because uh, I love Samo. I would have I loved to say martial yes. law because Samo was so amazing. That's one of my favorite. I loved it. Yeah. It was, it was such a joy to work with that guy and, and everybody. So, uh, you know, I think that's, that's about it. I, okay. I, Do you watch any of the new ones? Have you watched like Warrior or Cobra Kai or Into the Badlands? That, oh, thank you. I did watch Into the Badlands. Loved it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, who's the star, Donnie? Donnie? I should know. I've tried getting him on the show. <laughs> I'll have to look it up now. <laughs> Anyways, he, he, yeah, he's so fabulous. I mean, and I love Enter the Badlands. I wish it would have gone on more seasons. I was Agreed. absolutely hooked on that show. I don't know why it didn't continue, but he is spectacular. I loved watching him in John Wick, this last John Wick, which mm-hmm. I don't know if you saw the John Wick movie with him in it, but he played a blind guy, which is a li- little bit unbelievable that John Wick couldn't beat a blind guy. But anyhow, right. <laughs> um, yeah. but as far as the TV show, yes, Enter the Badlands was fantastic. Okay. My favorite. How about a favorite martial arts movie? Enter the Dragon. And nice. because that started my whole desire to, and I'm not, I know that's cheesy because everybody says that, but it really, really was a movie that inspired me. And I also like, uh, let's see, Five Fingers, Death. Ooh, what else? Nice. That's that a was a one. great movie. Yep. Yeah, it was a really good movie. And, um, uh, let's see. Well, any anything uh, with Sonny Chiba in it. I love Sonny yes. Chiba's soul work. 
Yep. Um, he was great. I worked with him on uh, Immortal Combat with Roddy Piper, and the stuff he can do with a sword, and the stuff that his guys can do with swords, samurai swords, is mind blowing. Absolutely mind blowing. And what was really cool is the sword master there that was teaching us in that movie. His last name was Yamasaki. Uh, some he just passed away. He was the guy that taught. Arnold Schwarzenegger sword work in Conan. Oh, okay. Um, it was something Yamasaki or something, yeah, something like that. I can't remember his last, but anyway, he just passed away. But he was amazing. He didn't speak much English, but he sure taught us how to use swords. You know, I was already kind of proficient with a broadsword, mm-hmm. but he taught me some really neat stuff with samurai sword and broadsword that was mind blowing for this Conan TV show that I was doing down in Mexico. And then this other this other thing I was doing with Roddy Piper. So he's amazing. But Sonny Chiba, oh my gosh, just Nice. Legend. Legend. Right. Final question. Doesn't have to be a martial arts movie, just a favorite movie fight scene. Um, okay, so there's a couple. Probably the Rock, the Rocky movie. The first the, the first Rocky movie was nice. spectacular. Yep. That fight scene was just so well done, so well choreographed, looked so real, and it was so poignant. So and and with the fact that he he lost but he won. I mean, that to me. It's like the quintessential movie to say, you know, for anybody who says I can follow my dreams, I can make it happen. Or at least if I don't, you know, make my dreams happen, I will go out fighting. I'll go out, you know, just giving my best performance ever. And that's something, you know, I think you'll agree with me. If we have a dream in our heart, anybody, whatever the dream is, if it's to be a lawyer, if it's it's to be the best garbage collector or the best mom, whatever it is. We need to follow those dreams and, and just see to be the best that we can at it, be at it. And uh, to me, I, I've met so many people that are doing jobs that they're not happy with. They wish we had this or done this or that. And so I always say, you know, just follow your dreams. Win or lose, at least you can go out saying, I did my best. And you feel satisfied with that. And I can say that personally. I mean, I've, I've loved what I've done. I've had a great, great career you know, had a thousand auditions. I may have booked 10 jobs. I have a thousand auditions. So I fail more than I succeed, mm-hmm. but I fail forward. I always learn and I always grow. And so I've always become, you know, a better version of myself through failure a lot of times. And I think people forget that if you will take failure, everybody fails, but the goal is to fail forward. And when I see, what I mean by that is when you fail, you learn from your failure. You take that failure and say, okay, what can I do so that the next time I don't fail like this again. And you learn from it. Or you can sit back and you can feel sorry for yourself and never move up again. And so to me, it's like, okay, dust yourself off and move on. Because if I would have, the first year of my acting career, if I would have just not had this attitude of I'm going to you know, do this no matter what, I would have quit after the first 100 auditions mm-hmm. because I didn't book a job. I had one, just personal story, but one casting director that thought I stunk so bad as an actor, they called my manager and said, don't ever send Darren McBee back again. He stinks. And um, that was embarrassing. And I failed mostly because of my nerves. And I told my manager this. I said, listen, I got stage fright. That's really bad. But hang with me. He goes, Darren, maybe you're not cut out for this. I said, I am. Just hang with me. Six more months. Just give me six months. And um, I had to work through being having horrible stage fright. I mean, to the point where I wanted to throw up sometimes when I'd go on an audition. But I kept doing it. I would fail, but I'd learn and I'd grow. And next thing you know, I booked a commercial. Next thing you know, I booked a TV show. Next thing you know, I've, I've done 22 national commercials and movies. And so I always encourage people, you know, if you're going to fail and you're going to, you are going to fail, fail forward. 
perfect way to end it. This seriously, wow, you're, you're an inspiration. I, I'm so excited we got to do this, and it's been such an honor to have you on the show. And hopefully, I didn't, hopefully, it didn't take too much of your time. But I, seriously, bottom of my heart, I truly appreciate it. I, I can't wait for the episode to come out and people to hear it. It's it, it's been a blast chatting with you, sir. Thank you so much, my friend. Hey, let me know uh, when. Give me send me a link when it's on because I want to check it out. Oh, and, definitely, uh, definitely. And yeah. Thank you, everybody who's watching. Thank you so much for being gracious because I kind of led you on a goose chase. You were so patient with me while I had to get my schedule squared away. So thank you so much for being patient. It was worth the wait, and I can't wait to get the episode out. And, and I just, once again, thank you, and uh, you enjoy the rest of your evening. You bet. Take care, bro. Take care. Thanks for listening to Everyday Martial Artist. We hope you will join us every week for a brand new episode with a different martial artist telling their story. If you enjoy the show, be sure to leave us a review. Also, be sure to check out our website at everydaymartialartist.com. There you can find all of our episodes and contact us to suggest guests and ask questions. Again, thanks for listening to Everyday Martial Artist, and we'll see you next week.